welcome to the Miss Mystic podcast. Today we are going to be speaking with Robert Fisher about his perspective on art and he's just a wonderful person and it's such a treat and I'm so excited for you to hear his thoughts. Welcome Robert. Hi, thank you. Amazing. Thank you for being here and talking to me today. And I just want to start by saying how inspired I am by you. I remember the first time I saw like you, I never told you this, but when you put your application in for paint night and I, and you sent me that picture of that guy, that painting that you did, I just really caught my eye. And I was like, this guy is so cool. Just from looking at that, like, I didn't even know you, but I just knew you'd be awesome. So that's one of the things I love about art is that you can kind of see something somebody made and you get this like, I don't know, this deeper perspective of of them like right away, this impression. And um, yeah, I just think you're amazing. You inspire me a lot with your radiant, positive attitude. And I think anybody who is listening is in for a treat just hearing a little bit more about your backstory is what I really am interested in. So don't hold anything back. You know, this isn't, this is like a adult podcast. um, So you can say anything and I want to hear, you know, as much truth as possible and just, you know, let it all hang out and let us know a little bit more about Robert Fisher, who basically, I mean, I know you as an artist, but I want to know a little bit, not like a, a scripted bio or anything, but I want to know a little bit more about your upbringing, your backstory, and that I want to, I want you to kind of try to cherry pick a moment that really struck you Mm. as knowing that you were an artist or like that you were an artistic person. You know, there's always that moment I feel that everybody has one. And so far I've been right about that. So let's (laughs) hear it. Um, Well, first off, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to to be speaking with you on this. It's it's always so nice to be able to talk to a fellow artist about art and just like lay it down and and just have kind of like um, a jam session, right? It's like when you get jazz artists together and they just feel it and they're in the moment and they make it. And I love that. Um, and I'm also glad I can say whatever I want because I have a whole list of words that I want to try out. <laughs> um, it's funny, you mentioned that painting that I sent you and I'm trying to think of what it was that I sent you. Cause it, I feel like it was what, like three or four years ago, maybe? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. I might have it still actually. Like, I think I saved it. You're but like, yeah. I might just have it framed on my wall. <laughs> no, but I save all my emails. I'm weird like that. <laughs> I, I did for a while too. And then I had to get rid of them. But um, yeah, thank you so much. I feel like you've said so many wonderful things about me that I really don't have anything else to say. But um, <laughs> the feeling is mutual, of course. I, 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 I am also inspired by artists, and especially artists like you, who um, just really make it happen. Like you are, um, like just working to the bone to make it happen, and you've got. Uh, a kid and you've got a family and you've got this business that you're trying to run. So it's, I, I'm inspired by artists like you who follow their true passions and still make it work. And I love that. Um, so I guess a little about me, um, I grew up um, a poor queer kid in um, the Inland Empire of California. So like San Bernardino County or stuff. So um, I guess not really poor, I don't know. 
I, I was, I, I was, I'm very thankful for where you I came weren't, from. you weren't like a rich kid. No, no, no. Were, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not by any means, but like, yeah, it, you could feel it every now and then. But, um, but I was always very thankful as a kid to always have art supplies. Like I always had paint. I always had markers. Um, the first thing that I always went to, you know, how kids get kind of excited about the first day of the school, but not really. Cause they really don't want to go back. Um, <laughs> I remember getting excited about school shopping and it wasn't for the clothes and it wasn't for the like paper and the folders and stuff. It was for that giant box of 64 Crayola crayons. Like I wanted that box of crayons, that brand new set. Cause I knew I was going to make wonderful, amazing things. This is back when we had art in schools. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, I was always just infatuated with coloring books and making things and crafting like, if there wasn't a toy out there that I had in my mind that I could play with, I would kind of create my own little toys out of folded paper. And um, I didn't think anything of it other than um, I'm just kind of creating my own little playmates. I didn't have imaginary friends. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends because I, I was always very different as a kid. Um, so I would just I would read a lot and I would draw a lot and I would color and I would paint. And that's where I found like my little happy spot. Um, and it, actually it wasn't until high school where I, I kind of put that on the wayside. I didn't really know what I wanted to do in the, in my mind. I always loved Disney and uh, had this fantasy of being a Disney Imagineer and making rides and, and living that like Disneyland life every day. And, um, and so it wasn't until high school where I actually took an art class and um, it was an elective. I needed to fill a spot in my schedule and I was like, oh, I could color. I haven't done it in a while, but why don't I try it? And um, yeah, that her name was Mrs. Swift and it was my senior year of high school. And um, I was easily the oldest person in the class because everyone else had already moved on with their electives and stuff. So here I am this like older senior with all these freshmen and like, I'm going to paint pictures and draw. <laughs> and um, it wasn't until I was in that class where I found out I could do all kinds of different types of art. Because I had always colored or drawn or painted, but it was in that class that I learned how to uh, draw a still life I learned how to stipple. I learned how to use watercolor, oil, pastels, acrylics. Um, I also learned how to make the best of a bad situation because we didn't have a ton of money for supplies. So I was always using like, um, I'm trying to think of what it is. It's, it's like gritty yellow manila folder colored paper. It's very like floppy and like, that's all we had, but we still made it work. We're like every that we, we use that paper for everything. Um, and yeah, it was during that um, that year because I took it two semesters because I loved it so much. It was during that year that I realized like I really like this, and I feel like I feel I'm good at it. That I want to learn more, and I feel like this is something that I could do. And who knows what it could be. Um, so yeah, it was, it was high school, senior year of high school for me, where I made the connection between what I love to do and realizing that I could actually do it and enjoy doing it and potentially make money doing it as a living. Yeah. 
Wow. It sounds like you had a really elaborate art class. I don't, we, I did take art too in high school, like any elective that I could take, I took art and it was never that fruitful with surprise, like the supplies. It sounds like you had everything. I think all we had was pencils and charcoal in our art class. Like that was it. We didn't yeah. have paint or I don't remember. Yeah. It was really stripped of supplies. So Ours yeah, we'll talk paper. about that later, but I feel yeah. that is a question I want to talk about. Yeah. But before we get there, I wanted to kind of just sort of as, as we kind of explore your perspective and establish that a little bit. So now we kind of know a little bit about your backstory and, you know, what drew you to the arts in the first place. But, and, you know, the, the, how you mentioned you kind of were an outsider a little bit, or you didn't have a ton of friends. I feel like that's a pretty common theme so far too, mm -hmm. that I personally experienced as well. Like I, it's like, I didn't really have a good community. It, most people don't uh, like, they look at me and assume that I was like the popular kid. And I really wasn't. I had some friends that were kind of popular, but I actually related more to the kids that were kind of like weird. Oh, yeah. Considered weird. And so I was just sort of in between these worlds of like, I don't really fit in. And I really only felt at home when I was creating like you. So I, I really feel oh, like man. we have a lot in common there. Um, but the next question would be, just imagine and all, you know, we're going to put aside the circumstance as being a weird, kind of a weird hypothetical circumstance. <laughs> but if an alien came down and they were like, Robert, what is art? What is it you, what are you humans doing with making art? How would you define it to somebody that had no context and not like a dictionary definition, but like, what is it to you? It's funny that you say that because I, um, <laughs> I have an irrational fear of aliens. I don't think I've ever told you this. Yeah, like I, I have this like, when you were like scheduling paintings for me, every now and then I would see like an alien themed painting on the like website on the database. And I'm just like, please don't book it. Please don't book it. I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I don't like it. But um, <laughs> I actually know. I don't know how popular that would be. No, I don't. I don't know. I was hopeful. I just like, it looks like crap. We're not going to do it. It didn't really yeah. look like crap, but I was just like, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, it's an interesting question because it's so subjective, right? Like what would art be? Um, I feel like I could explain it and say like, oh, it's an expression of one's like truest creative self and an image that's produced in someone's head is somehow translated through their body to their arms and to their hands to create a visual representation of what's in their mind. Um, but then I also feel like if an alien were to come down and be like, hold on, let me get my plate. <laughs> and I would just like slap, 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 and just like throw something together real quick and be like, that is an example of art but is not the sole definition of art because art is many things to many people. Um, and then you, then I'd have to try to explain subjectivity to this alien race. And that would be a whole other thing. Cause by, by that time I'd be like sweaty palms and freaking out. But well, yeah, aside, I know everyone, I'm like, <laughs> I gotta come up with a different question. Everyone's like, wait a minute. What about the alien? Isn't that more, <laughs> more, Are we more concerned about being taken over by another race? 
No, but I mean, just to take it out, because like when you're explaining something, I feel like sometimes when you're prompted to explain something to somebody who has reference point, the way you explain it is a little bit different or the way you think about it, approaching the way to explain it is a little different. So like if you had to explain it to somebody or a being that had no real context for what (laughs) humanity is, because obviously like other most other animals i think monkeys maybe kind of a little bit make art but that's usually with the promptings from a person like if a monkey was just in the forest they're not gonna like have paint and be making paintings rafiki right yeah no but you know what i mean it's like i feel like there's a still a human influence there but i just i feel like such a unique thing to our species and it's such an interesting thing and people get pretty you know there's it's so integrated. It's such a early impulse, like, especially becoming a mom when you're with a child all the time, Mm -hmm. you really see how creativity is just this instinct, just like anything else. It's not, yeah. It's like this immediate thing that you don't really have to teach them. It's just there. And it's very interesting. So that's why I asked that question. So I like your answer where it's just kind of this you know, it is very subjective and it's ultimately is pretty hard to explain. And I've had, a, everyone has kind of a completely different take <laughs> on it. So that's been interesting, but it's to move a- on, I guess I would wa- also, it's kind of similar to that question, but I do find it interesting to know the why for somebody, which I feel is different, a little bit different for everyone as well. It's like, if you had to boil it down to the essence of why is it like, what do you get out of it? What do you feel like you're trying to, I don't, I don't like using the word accomplish, but do you know what I mean? Like, what's the yeah. why for doing it? Yeah. Like, what's the point? Why do we, yeah. Like why? Cause I think a lot of people do write it off as pointless, which is why I feel like it doesn't get a ton of priority, like in compulsory right. education and stuff where people see it as this arbitrary thing that doesn't really serve a purpose. I, completely disagree by the way just to make that clear but um I do like to know what the why is for people because I'm trying to see if there's sort of a commonality or if it's just completely individual or I'm curious well I I to be honest I've always thought that every discipline like every type of job has its own form of artistry to it right so as an accountant there's an artistry to be able to calculate and have those numbers in your head and be able to move them around like beautiful mind style to be able to get done what needs to be done. I don't have that. Um, When it comes to sports, (laughs) don't ask me anything about sports because I can't (laughs) tell you, but I do know that there's an artistry behind that and that people have trained and that it's the body in motion that they've developed that muscle memory. And there's that, that is a form of artwork or art in their like capacity. And so I just, I think of what I do as a different discipline that is, that is an art form. It just so happens to be the basest form of creative art. So um, I do it because um, it sounds so stupid, but I feel like my body tells me to do it. Like, I, there will be moments where I, I wake up in the morning and um, I'm inspired. And so I may not have the supplies next to me in that moment, but like I'll sketch something out real quick or I'll write down my idea like, ooh, try something like this. 
And then when I get into like my studio space and I just start creating, my body kind of tells it what it wants to do. And part of that is kind of interpreting what my mind has already pictured. Mm-hmm. And then the other half of it, I think, half, three quarters, whatever, um, is the actual like manipulation of the media to make what I want it to look like. Yeah. And kind of figuring out. Um, there's also an aspect of problem solving to it that I really like. And I think that as humans, we we crave those problems to create solutions for that then gives us that whatever that emotional chemical physical responses be it dopamine or whatever whatever it is we crave those problems to create solutions to get that that benefit of it and so i feel the benefit of having that kind of creative problem so to speak or that idea in my mind um, and then manipulating what I can to create the solution or to create the final product. And then I get the benefit of having achieved that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a cool answer. I love that. I never yeah, really thought about it that way. I, I feel I, I, I have kind of a weird dichotomy between art and graphic design because that's where I focus most of my full-time work is in the graphic design kind of mm-hmm. um, technical aspect of design. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of think of it more on that like problem solution way and then the gratification of having solved it, kind of like a Rubik's cube. Right, that's, that's a really cool answer. And I totally now can recognize that in me a little bit more, even though that wouldn't be my initial like conscious um, answer to that question, like, you know, consciously, but I do feel maybe subconsciously that's going on for everyone a little bit that, yeah. that, that instinct to figure things out. And then that kind of chemical reward. Cause we do get that when we yeah. solve problems or task completion, they call it. Cause I majored in psychology. You know, you do get that dopamine hit when you figure stuff out. You're like, Oh, like it, it, it like it's a, probably a survival thing too. Cause it's like, once yeah, you figure probably. something out, it's like you're progressing or you're, you know, creating solutions, like you said. So yeah. that's such a cool answer. And I'm going to probably ponder that for a second. Um, <laughs> but that's why, you know, that's why it's so cool to talk because I feel like artists are, they kind of just, a lot of times just keep it to themselves. Like we're so used to just sort of keeping to ourselves and we like, we like to observe mm-hmm. and like we'll interject. It's not like, I you know there's some people who are really more introverted, extroverted or whatever, but I think when it comes to the process or like the reflective aspect of like why we do it and what it means to us is I feel like, I don't know, like I don't talk to that many people about that on a regular basis or at least not on such a wide spectrum. So this is really interesting, but when kind of to break it up, I want to do a couple of little recommendations because I'm a huge fan of art, all art forms. Mm -hmm. And I feel like all the art forms inspire, you know, all the other art forms. Yeah. Like, cause you know, there's, you know, you hear a song or you see a movie and it could inspire a painting or a sculpture, whatever it is that you, your craft is or your skill set is. Um, so I want to just go into a few favorites and then I'll link them in the description so people could check them out. But I want you to keep in mind that person who, you know, what, it, what the things I want you to point out are things that really inspired you, okay. like things that really like you witnessed, experienced, whatever. And then it 
either empowered you or inspired you creatively. So with that context in mind, what would be your favorite or your most inspiring art form? The art form. Um, so I am, I am, I am almost always repeatedly pulled to paint. Um, it, I think it's the most fluid for me. I think it feels the most organic when I'm manipulating the brush. Well, not uh, what you do, but your favorite art form that you um, consume or experience that inspires you, like that someone else did. Uh, like that you, yeah, like what okay. art form inspires you, not what art form do you choose to work with? What Got art it. form inspires you the most? Because <laughs> okay. that might be different. It might be the same. It might still be paintings, but it might be something else. I don't know. That's why I well, ask. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's, it's a good distinction because I was leaning toward that, but then realizing that um, watercolor is actually something that I'm inspired by. So I guess it's still kind of in the same vein, but it's something that I'm myself is not comfortable with. Same I've here. Played with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, and I like what I can do with it, but I am, um, I am inspired and intimidated by watercolor artwork because I know that it, as much control that I think I have with like an acrylic paint, I have like less than half of that control. I feel in a watercolor because it's starting dripping and moving and um, <laughs> controlling the tone of the same pigment from light to dark. And I, yeah, it, it makes me a little anxious. I, I love seeing it. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, one of these days I'll figure out how to do watercolor. <laughs> we should do a class together because yeah, I feel totally. the same way. Like I love it. I'm really inspired by other people's watercolor work. And then I'll usually like be so inspired by that, that I'll make an acrylic painting that's in that, in that same right. vein. Yeah. But it's different obviously because, you know, because it's acrylic, but yeah, I feel the exact same way. It's, it feels like it's kind of squirrely. Yeah. My brother does it and he's amazing. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I just can't. I can't get it. Yeah. All right. So what book would you recommend someone read? Oh, like Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. That's a good Alice one. Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah. yeah. It's, I read it, I reread it every year. Um, I've read it every year since I was probably eight or nine years old. Um, and it's one of those books that reminds me that it's okay to not know what you're doing um, to not have all the answers and it's okay to be a little lost sometimes, but in all of that and all those uncomfortable feelings, there is opportunity and, um, a, almost like a, um, like an embracing of fantastical, like things that shouldn't be happening are happening. Embrace it. Mm -hmm stuff that you're not used to that kind of makes you feel uncomfortable go with it like go with the flow know that you're even though things are weird you're in your right frame of mind and you'll figure it out and we'll make it we'll make it through it always just it just reminds me it brings me back to that place as a kid i remember reading it the first time um and just totally identifying with alice and really having no idea who I was, what I was doing, 
just feeling like the weird kid who sits under the tree and reads and talks to his cat. Like that's who I was. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that would be my recommendation. Yeah. I think I, I love that book as well. And the Disney movie as well. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, feel, I, I watch that a lot and <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I, I put that on here. Cause I feel like I hope that I know it's the way things are moving right now and how fast everything is like, I know reading, there's less time for reading. And I, I think it's really important because books for me have been it, like, they're just so much more engaging in a way when you really get into a book where you, yeah. you're like really interacting with it, with your imagination, you know, and yeah, that's definitely a great book. And then, which reminds me, I got to re I have to revisit that and read it to my daughter pretty soon. I mean, oh, she may not yeah. be totally old enough. She's five. So maybe within the next couple of years, we'll see. But what would be the film that, and I mean, I guess as some people have mentioned shows that really inspired them. So it does, it could be a show too, if you want. Hmm. That really inspired you, like walked out of the theater or maybe you saw it in another way, but. And you were just like, holy crap, like that was either so inspiring or it really rocked your world in some way. Um, so I, I always grew up as like a Disney kid, right? And always watching the movies and going to the parks and stuff, thankfully living in Southern California. Um, but uh, Fantasia has always been a huge influence to me. And um, again, another driver for me to remind myself that there isn't just one type of art. Because the cool thing about Fantasia is that you have these eight different sequences and each one is different story. It's a different artistic style. It's a different mood. It's a different feeling. Um, and it's all wrapped up in this beautiful package that's like there for the taking. And so I, I remember as a little kid being the only person feeling like the only person who's ever heard of Fantasia but also like the only kid on the playground who would be excited about like oh remember that time with the dinosaurs and when they do the nutcracker suite and all the mushrooms are dancing around like <laughs> I loved it and like whenever my friends when they did come over to visit I'd be like let's watch Fantasia and they're like let's not and <laughs> you're like um, what yeah I loved that not? Yeah. I would always bring it to school, like on my birthday. I'd be like, guess what? We're going to watch Fantasia because it's my birthday. <laughs> like, God, Robert. I was, <laughs> I was seriously trying to push it on people because I thought it was just so amazing. And it just, it made me feel good to watch it. Mm -hmm. um, and then when Fantasia 2000 came out in 2000, that was uh, just as I was graduating high school. And um, it was right when I was discovering my like transition into art as a profession rather than just an appreciation. And so that movie, again, solidified different styles of art, different ways to make art, telling stories in different ways. Um, so yeah, I would say those two films inspire me the most. And whenever I'm feeling a little dry with ideas, those are the two that I usually put on just to kind of get the music flowing and to get the visuals floating. And Totally. Yeah. I feel the same way. We, my daughter actually likes watching it a lot. Oh, and so we, yeah, we do watch. She's amazing. She loves watching, like she likes watching the old Wizard of Oz too. Like the old She's one. She's so cute. I yeah. love that. 
And so we watch that too, but she loves Fantasia too. And I'm so glad like there's as a parent, whenever you really are connect with something and then you watch your kid connect with it, you're like, yes. I can't imagine. I, you're yeah. not sure. Like, what are they going to be like totally different than me? What if she likes sports? Like, oh, I really hope <laughs> your, she kid, your kid starts isolating. You're like, you're not cool, mom. I, don't I know. Like <laughs> I'm like, oh, who knows? But we'll see. But you're off to a good start. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's good. That's good. Um, so I want to go into one of my favorite questions that, you know, I, I guess there's an array of different styles now in painting. Mm -hmm. so to get a little more specific about painting and I know there's a lot of like different categories now but if you were to pick from you know the classical painting styles or era or types what would you say is the most inspiring style for you uh for me it's always been like mid-century modern 60s bright pops of color um my favorite artist uh has always been Mary Blair um, like one of the key Disney artists uh, for a lot of the background work um, and a lot of storyboarding for like Alice in Wonderland and for key shorts in the like Make My Music and Fun and Fancy Free and also head designer of Small World. Like she has an art style and um, an aesthetic that as a kid, I remember looking at and just being like, that is so cool. Like it looks like, <laughs> someone drew uh, from chalk or pieces of paper and that paper is coming to life. And I remember I would like try to do it myself and try to make the, the paper bounce and move. And um, so I've always loved the, that kind of period, that, that 60s color pop fun feel to it. Cause that's, that's all it was for me. It was just fun and joy and like everything it's a small world is of course. <laughs> I totally feel you. And I think for me, part of seeing art like that um, makes me, part of the thing that's inspiring about it is that it feels doable. Like, yes. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like sometimes you see art, like like super realistic stuff or something that's so complicated composition wise. You're just like, I mean, you're like amazed looking going, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe someone did that. But at the same time, it's kind of intimidating Yes. rather than inspiring, yeah. like where instead of being like, oh my God, I want to try to make that. Um, you're like, I suck. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You, you, you can see that stuff on Instagram now too, where you see these gorgeous digital drawings that look like actual photographs and you're like, what? Um, and there is a sense of, um, there's a sense of isolation that comes from that. Yeah, because you see that artist had created that and that's like, wow, amazing. I could never do that. But then, like you said, you see something from like Mary Blair. It's approachable. It's welcoming. Yeah. And, and you feel like you could be a part of that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, that's what I love about paint night, you yeah. know, because it's not pretentious. Mm -hmm. And the whole like every time I make a painting or get an idea to make a painting, it's not how can I uh, mind-blowingly skill execute this it's how can I execute this in a way in thematically and color wise that makes somebody feel like they can do it too yeah. and that they want to like how could I inspire somebody to want to make art because I feel like it's such a good thing to do yeah and, you know I think that there's a lot of artists who do approach like this is why I love about like Dr. Seuss and you know it's like you look at the stuff and it's so imaginative but at the same time there's a simplicity to it mm -hmm. that doesn't feel unapproachable it feels like 
sometimes I look at it and I'm like, well, I want to try to draw something that funky. Like I want to draw that funky like bird or whatever, because it's so weird, but it's so cool, but it's also simple and it's approachable. So I love that you gave that answer because I do feel like those are for me too. It's like that kind of stuff is the best. So anyways, but what, if you had to pick a person, you know, like a person, it could be, try to make it somebody who people could look up though. Not just like my grandpa or not that that's, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) sorry, gramps. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, like somebody that somebody could look up and also be inspired by, but what person, it doesn't have to be like a classical artist or it could be really anybody that really inspired you creatively. Yeah. Um, I, I always come back to, not that I've heard this question before, but in this mindset, I always think of Keith Haring, who is uh, uh, another one of my, it's it's always between him and, and um, uh, why can't I remember her name now? Mary Blair. Mary Blair. Um, yeah. Huh? Wait, I um, don't even know who Keith, I know who Mary Blair is, but I don't know who nah. Keith Haring is. Who's that? So Keith, Keith Haring um, was an artist in the 80s. Uh, he was one of the original street artists um, during the um, the big, uh, unfortunate, um, big boom of the AIDS pandemic in the okay, 80s. You know what? I might know who it is. Does he have that funky kind of like uh-huh. drawing thing? I think I watched a documentary yeah. about him. Yeah. 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 You would, as soon as you see it, you would recognize it because yeah. he was the first one to really have that kind of distinct singular line with art style. Um, everything was bright poppy colors or compositions with black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of his art lived on the street. It was the most approachable art that you could have because especially during the eighties, there was that kind of boom of the art scene where people were pricing art astronomically because you had yuppies buying it so that they could show it off to all their other yuppie friends. And so he, in the same vein of like Andy Warhol was kind of creating art initially just to be seen and Mm. to have that voice heard. And then uh, tie that to the AIDS pandemic in in the eighties. And he unfortunately was also HIV positive, had AIDS himself, ultimately died because of AIDS. Um, at a really, really young age. Yeah, I remember and, the documentary now for sure. It was yeah, really sad, actually. I was like, so sad. Yeah, and yeah. he was—he was that rising star. Like you, if he—if he were to keep going, it would just be, yeah, because he—he was making all those connections. He was talking to all the people. He was doing the right things. Um, yeah, so it's just—it's kind of—it's sad to see, but at the same time, I'm inspired by him because. He chose to do something different, didn't try to fit himself in a box, um, applied himself somewhere where you wouldn't expect it on like the wall of a subway or actually <laughs> yeah. on the subway car itself. Yeah. Um, this was before Banksy for all of you who don't know who Keith Haring is um, and did it knowing that he was facing death yeah. sooner, than, sooner than most people would. That's an interesting, um, to- like sort of spinoff thing I would want to talk about a little bit because it is something that I think about sometimes. Like, I wonder how much, like, if you know you're going to die, I mean, wouldn't you think that would be in a, in a way, wouldn't that kind of push you, like motivate you in a way like, oh my gosh, like I only have this much time left. Like I need to really like, do you think that would like boost your creativity in a way? You know, I would like to think that it would, but probably not. 
I think I would be so, <laughs> I, I think I would be so depressed and so crestfallen and so frustrated knowing that I'm going to die in like a week that I would like for the first few days, try to do stuff and be like, I'm going to climb Mount Everest. And then by day three, I'd be like, you know, I'm so tired and I'm so depressed right now. I kind of just need to lie down. Yeah. Um, well, you don't know. <laughs> you you have no idea. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. Um, I think. I do wonder that sometimes because I do feel like there, there have been a lot of, you know, artists who, you know, whether they're conscious or unconscious, that would go into a whole different philosophical idea of like, do people <laughs> know when they're going to die? Or even if they don't know they're going to die. That's a whole other podcast theme. That's a whole nother <laughs> philosophical conversation. But I do feel like there's an interesting Mark Twain story where he, there's like three artists who get in cahoots together and they have one guy make all this art and then they fake his death. And then the other two artists, they go out and they're like, he's dead now. And then they go and sell it for crazy high prices. And the other guy's still alive in secret, but then they all get rich. And his Mark Twain's joke kind of in that story was that a lot of times like the mainstream um, art world, even back hundreds of years ago or a hundred plus years ago when he was making art was always, it was always like, oh my gosh, they're dead. Their work is more valuable now because they're dead. That's so weird. I have never heard that story. That is such a fun, shitty Mark Twain thing to do. Like, I, I love that. That's hilarious. It's hilarious. But I always, when I read that story, I was just laughing, you know, he was, yeah. a comedian, so it was just, you know, and I thought about that because I did, you know, and you brought up him and that's why I bring it up because I do feel like sometimes the art world will try to like twist that and market it and be like, Oh, they're dead now. And then someone's making money off that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, and especially now too, he, his art goes in phases. I find that every five to 10 years or so, his art gets another resurgence. And it's in the middle of one right now, as we're finding art more in um, consumer goods. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a big push for Keith Haring themed chess sets and socks and watches and shoes and He's not making any money on it. He's no. it's all been licensed. He's he's worth more now than he was then, unfortunately. Right, right. Now that he's dead. But yeah. you know, I, I'm not there's no it's just a pondering. I don't really yes, have yes, an yeah. opinion about it. I just kind of go, it's kind of interesting, you know. Yeah. I understand it, but at the same time, I just kind of go, hmm. Um, but I I, I want to go into another hypothetical question that I think is fun. And okay. it's if you could talk to either yourself. 10 or 15 years ago, <laughs> or we won't, we won't name it, you know, exact ages, but, or just a young person, like somebody either, you know, just trying to figure out what they want to go into school for, figure out what they want to go into a career for. And maybe they're thinking about, can I, or should I do the arts? I know personally, and I know I'm not the only one because a lot of people have mentioned this, that they got sort of pushback from their immediate family or circle um, for wanting to to pursue a, like artistic career, mm-hmm. like that there was oh you know this isn't really gonna work like you should have a plan B or this isn't really gonna work out or are you sure you want to do that shouldn't you just do this the safer thing right. right so what would you you know what advice would have been super valuable to you right at that kind of turning point where you're you know, obviously you've, you went in the direction where you pursued art. So, you know, having gone that road, 
what have you learned along the way that you feel like would have been nice to know then? So thankfully I didn't have that experience and my immediate family was extremely supportive uh, and still is like with my brothers and sisters, whatever you wanna do, you go and do it and figure it out. Um, so there was really, there was no pressure to get like stellar grades in school. My mom was, my mom still is a school teacher. So she kind of understands like grades are grades because grades have to be there, but grades don't necessarily mean how successful a student is at comprehending what's actually going on and what they're taking in. So um, I, I was always supported and I think my family always knew that I was like a weird artsy gay kid before I did. And uh, if I were to give advice, I I'll go back to myself. If I were to talk to myself, um, we'll go back like 20 years because that was right in that transition period. And I'm trying to figure out what school do I need to go to? What college is going to make me the most successful and the most notorious in, in the best way? And what, how can I best, how can I best validate my decision to go into the arts by explaining to people what school I'm going into, right? Um, <clears throat> and I would say, don't worry about it. Like find a program that's local. So you don't have to do any traveling unless you want to go somewhere else. Like you want to figure out how LA looks or live in New York for a while during your college years, do it if you can afford it. Uh, cause that's the time to do that kind of crazy shit. Um, but when it comes to school and like trying to pick the, like the Juilliard of the painter world, whatever that may be, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it because you could go to a two-year community college and get all of your, um, your like AA work done, like all the maths and the sciences and the social studies and all the necessary stuff for your degree, get that out of the way inexpensively so you don't incur student debt for the next 50 years of your life. You're so practical, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> this is stuff that I wish I would have known. I'm still paying off my student loans. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, unless you get a scholarship or yeah. you know, somebody's foot yeah. in the bill or something, obviously. But yeah, student debt is a not and ideal. Even, yeah. And sometimes it's a trap too, because I, I love my school. My school was great. Woodbury University is wonderful. It's in Burbank. It's still there. It's a great school. Um, but sometimes it's a little bit of a trap too with the scholarship because they're, they're getting you in on the scholarship oh. and then you have to maintain that. So I had pretty decent grades by the time I had gotten into school. My first year of college, I had, I think 3.7, but you set that bar so that you have to maintain that 3.7 throughout your four years. Otherwise you're on your own. And I just oh. couldn't do it. I couldn't manage it. Um, because I was also trying to work full time. Yeah. So um, yeah, find a school that has an art program that speaks to you. Don't worry about it being a specialty program or I had a few friends who went to Cal Arts. Again, good school, but sometimes expensive. I had a few friends, my school was a private school. It was very expensive. And I feel like you can get the training anywhere as long as you find an instructor or a program or you focus on the tools that inspire you the most. Um, and then you kind of have to make it your own. 
because all the teachers are going to tell you essentially the same thing. They're like, this is how paint works. This is how your computer works. This is how an eraser works, right? They're all going to kind of tell you the same thing, but it's up to you to digest that and then well, regurgitate it, but that's not a great word. But essentially like you're taking it in and then you're expressing what you've learned. Right. It's like um, a tool set, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like I could have achieved a similar tool set maybe a little bit later in my life, done my like AA program stuff first and then followed with some art school at a cheaper place and really not so stressed about the grades or what I was doing or performing or having to work uh, full time. And I could have focused on the art more because if, I think if I have any regret during my uh, college years when I'm trying to learn my art uh, is that I was too stressed about it and I put too much pressure on myself. And by doing that, I just wasn't doing a good job. I wasn't letting the art just happen because I was so stressed about making sure I had all of the right classes at all the right times to fit that four-year program so I could graduate on time and it wouldn't cost as much. And I think if I was able to give myself a little bit of leeway with a less expensive program that was more focused around what I really wanted to do, yeah. I probably could have been a little more comfortable earlier on. Right. And I feel sense. like a lot of times the pressure in the school is really, it doesn't go together with creativity. Like, no, creativity it doesn't help is, at all. Yeah. It's, it's like, that it doesn't really fit together, but that is some good practical things to consider. And I do think people get really sucked into thinking that, you know, they need to go here or there, have this kind of status and they, you know, and then they are juggling all of these expectations. And then all of a sudden the goal, like the, the real goal gets sort of pushed aside and then yeah. like, wait a minute, what happened? And then they have all this debt. And then it's like, you know, yeah, I, I think that's a really good thing to consider. Um, yeah. I, I ended up with a lot of debt and a portfolio that I wasn't proud of. Yeah. Cause you were so yeah. stressed. Yeah. And so I spent the first um, five years of my career just trying to rebuild a portfolio yeah. with stuff that I could be proud of because now I had the opportunity to just relax and create. Yeah. So it kind of leads into the next question, which is, I get a lot of different answers from this, um, but I, I, I'm maybe thinking I got to frame it a little bit differently. But the question is, do you think anybody can be an artist? And I don't mean, obviously not everybody wants to be an artist, right? There's people who are passionate about science. There are people who are passionate about sports. Yeah. Everybody has their own interests, but I'm saying if somebody really wanted to, like if that was what they were stoked on, do you think anybody can do it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I, I, it's twofold for me. Um, I think that if anyone wants to do it and they love it, and they have the tenacity to continue through doing something that they enjoy, even though it doesn't necessarily produce the, um, the results or the finances that you would like. Like maybe you're not gonna make a ton of money doing it, but if you can withstand that, yeah, totally. Um, and then the flip side of that is, um, I think that we're all born artists. I think that as kids, I mean, one of our earliest toys as most kids is a box of crayons, right? Like even when we're at um, a restaurant, 
what do they give the kids? A box of crayons, because it's it's gonna get them focused and enjoying and, and creating. And I think um, kind of what you touched on before, when when people give you um, they plant the idea in, in people's heads at some point in their life, usually in their childhood, that they're not good artists. And sometimes it's self-imposed. Sometimes as a, as a kid or a child or whatever, you see someone else creating something and it looks better than you, than, than something that you could have done. And so you internally decide that you're not a good artist. Um, or later down the road, a parent or someone that you look up to when you express the want to create art says, yeah, but you're going to be a lawyer. So good luck. Like we're told at a very early age, usually that we aren't good artists or that art isn't viable or that it's not as important as sports or um, any of the other academics that are regularly getting funding. Right. So I think that it's our job uh, as this generation to help to foster that, like generations before us, to foster the growth of art in younger generations, to remind them that art is valuable, art is viable, art is uh, a necessity, it's and that simple. anyone anyone can do it. Right. Yeah, I, I I feel you on that. I think it's it. I think it is really soul crushing, you know, to see and and just in the world, you know, the, how it gets so deprioritized, you know, so quickly, yeah. even when I was, you know, back in the nineties or whatever, when I was in high school, art wasn't mandatory. It was still an elective. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because I do feel like just like, you know, if you work out, your body is going to be healthier. I feel like if you create art in any capacity, your mind will be healthier yeah. You know, your spirit will be healthier. It's like a muscle that we have. It's an instinct we have from kid, from childhood, from when we're kids that gets snuffed out in a way it gets deprioritized. And I do feel like it's part, it has a, a role to play in the, you know, that mental illness and the drug addiction and all the stuff that's going on, you know, in across the country. And it's, I, I do feel like it's related. I feel like there's a correlation with the inability to express oneself creatively as we naturally want to do mm -hmm. and being told it's not valuable being told you're not good at it and then not finding that you know that connection or that safe place like I feel like we are the lucky ones oh yeah you know, to be able to know and and express in that way and you know I I'm not saying my parents weren't completely unsupportive but there was that undermining of it constantly it was like okay you're gonna do what you're gonna do but you know <laughs> just so you know here's all these other college pamphlets <laughs> right there's this disapproval still um yeah. so I mean like that's better than some people have which is no, either completely no access so they're living in like a really poverty stricken you know situation where it's just not available they might not even have crayons at home who knows you know and it, it my no. heart breaks for that because I do feel like anyone can be an artist and I do feel like everyone should make creativity a part of their life in some way um mm -hmm. just like people exercise like the doctor says your your body will be healthier if you exercise I feel like your mind and your spirit will be healthier if you find some sort of creative hobby 
whether it's, even if it's not something you do to make money, you know, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting and it's weird, but to go into the next question, which is a little bit more off topic, but I haven't really talked to somebody who's in the graphic design as much as you are. So I'm curious what you're going to say to this. And the question is, what do you think and what's your feeling about artificial intelligence being programmed to make art, whether it be music or composing a painting? Do you think that it's like still art in the, in the, like the definition that we were talking about in the beginning, or what do you think about it? I like it. You're, (laughs) You're coming up with good questions. I like that a lot. Um, so yes, this comes into play a lot with graphic design. So, um, I am, I I currently work at Taco Bell Design, which is the in-house agency at Taco Bell here in Irvine. And I am their uh, senior production artist. So specifically, I take, um, the artwork from our amazing designers and art directors, uh, in agency. Um, I take it from their computers and I kind of line it up and make sure that everything is technically the way that it needs to be as far as colors and dye lines and making sure that all the like technical logistical stuff is just right. So it prints correctly or viewed correctly online. And um, so it's very, I have a very balanced, like left brain, right brain. Like I keep floating back <laughs> and forth somehow. I don't know how, what toll that takes on everything else, but um So the idea of artificial intelligence comes up a lot when we're creating digital art specifically because so much of it is. Um, I think of it as another tool. So I I think of the use of AI or like with Adobe's Sensei, I don't know if you've heard of the the Sensei programming that, that Adobe like the makers of Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, yeah. Yeah, they've, integrated, they've integrated this AI system into a lot of their programs now. So um, you can, instead of having to like draw a selection tool around someone's face, you can create a square marquee and it will sense what you're trying to select and select it for you. Um, is it a little bit of cheating? Yeah, yeah, it totally is. Does it take away from the creativity or the art process in any way? Not at all. I, I, I think it really doesn't. And, and I think if anything, it, it reinvigorates those people that we were talking about before who felt like they weren't good enough or that they um, weren't really artists. And it kind of gives them a jump start to really be able to focus on the creative aspect of it. So if someone has in their mind, I really need to isolate this head, but I'm not sure if I could draw it around correctly. Okay, take a minute, pull the head off and then focus on the beauty of it and work around that. I think that there's a balance in that too, because some people take advantage of that. And then all you see is just digital, like choppy artwork without any real like balance of competition or composition or focus on color theory or any of those foundations that we kind of build up doing um traditional physical tangible yeah that's like that's kind of more the question like I actually totally love your answer because I do feel like you know like say somebody is either what if they have like a disability and like what if they don't have any hands I mean not to get super extreme but seriously it's true 
what yeah. how so if you could somehow they could somehow figure out how to use a program that allowed them to express themselves creatively where traditional means aren't either skill wise or physically physical limitations or whatever um and like you said it's like a jump start so yeah. the imagination is the key there but right. what if what if the program itself is composing the entire piece is oh. how far I want to take it. Yeah. Ah, I, mean, like, okay. I understand that all of the technical stuff is a tool. And I mean, yes, of course, like there's a huge difference in, you know, seeing a digital painting versus seeing a painting that someone painted with paint or, you know right. what I mean? Like that's all going to be, it's, but it's still the imagination there at play and, and somebody putting it together using the tool. But what if the, the human element isn't even there at all? Are you talking about have, aliens again? This is, AI. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe aliens are somehow involved. <laughs> but you um, know, like, what if there was yeah. a program that somebody made that the computer? So this is what. Have you seen Mozart in the Jungle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like you know the conductor meeting that robot that was going to be conducting the music. He want he was going to conduct Mozart, and he was freaking out. He like took the robot and threw it in the river. Right. Right was so furious that this was not the blood this was not you know this was not art this is a robot but it's like the but it's an interesting question right and I love that show so much it's like my one of my favorites so but, good so, so good. good I binged but, the whole thing in one weekend like I all, binged it. yeah I binged it and then I binged it again and I'll probably binge it again later because it's just like <laughs> a happy place for me I just love wow. it so much but the um the question is great and it's also like but the computer, you know, it, it listens to all the Mozart. It, it takes that information in and then puts it all together and then kind of predicts based on that. So they have paintings made that way too, where the computer program looks or the data of it is seen by the program and then it will compose something new yeah. based on what it thinks people want to see. So my answer is going to be no. <laughs> that's not like no um, you don't like it or no <laughs> <laughs> um no my answer is going to be that that's not art okay um and well, okay but I have to throw this in there for your consideration yeah. what about the programmer well yeah and that's 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 what I was thinking too so <laughs> the the in that case the computer or the program itself is the art so the programmer right. having the artistry of knowing how to connect to the circuits and make the coding to make that happen, that's the art. Um, but, but isn't the art part of that too, though, in a way, kind of? It could be, but then at that point, I'm isolating it with the, with the computer or the program. Right. And then I'm thinking of like what I was talking about earlier. It's the problems. It's no different from humans because it's a problem. And then there's a solution. It's, it sees the problem where it's given the problem and it creates the solution, mm -hmm. but it's missing that third element where it has that sense of achievement and that realization that it has uh, completed or received that um, emotional chemical reaction for it to want to do more. Like the Unless robot. You, like a robot. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the robot. But then would be like done, complete. Here you go, and then there would be no like fanfare unless there's no then, joy, there's no soul, there's no reason to, there's no right. reason to do it. And I think that's yeah, the only I mean, drive that we I, have. I I still ponder that as like kind of an open 
Yeah. Like, I'm not a, really sure good, where I stand on it. I like, like there is that element of the programmer being an artist making like, like programming is an art. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's, it, part of me feels like I want to throw it in the river, like, you know, maestro right. as well. So it, I'm kind of, I mean, the, the answer is no. Um, but that we already kind of talked about this but I want to go back just a little bit to the your opinion specifically on why why do you think it is that as a collective for lord knows what reason I don't know why that's why I'm asking you what do you think um why is it that we have um made art not a priority like why not why is it not valued as much as math or english or you know like why is it an elective why is it always have to have outside funding or it's only available at the 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 you know the special school that only the people who can pay for it can go to or you know what i mean why isn't it compulsory what's the deal because it's not quantifiable you can't, you can't put a realistic price on someone's development of art in the same way that you could put, I mean, you could, hypothetically, you could, but our society doesn't do that. Um, our society sees the, the, um, um, the ability to quantify and the monetization opportunity of a up and coming athlete, right? They're scouted as early down as high school and they're like, that's a star athlete. I'm going to follow them the rest of their life to get them to my college so that they're, they can play for my college so that they can make my school money. And then eventually they can make it into the big leagues where they make that company even more money. Um, so you think it's, it's like about money and... Oh, it's all about money. Yeah. yeah, because there isn't anything like that in place for the art world, really. I mean, we don't have a... We don't have art scouts, really. I mean, there are, but when was the last time you watched the NCAA of paint? Like, it's, no. yeah. there, aren't those, there aren't those things in place. You can't quantify that the same way that you would um, a lawyer, even. Like, that's the aspiration, right? Like, that's what the Jewish mother always wants. Like, you're going to be a lawyer. Like, that's, that's, or a doctor. Like, it's those higher tier um, jobs that have been determined to be the the echelon of what you aspire to be. And so with every echelon, you have to have that bottom of the barrel valley. And that's usually when people don't need to have the book smarts, so to speak. And so again, you can't quantify what they've learned if they're just showing you what they've embraced and what they experience and what they express. I right. Well, I guess a better way, a better way to or explore it would be what why is there such a big blind spot in the ability to realize the value of it maybe that's a better question so yeah Yeah. if everything boils down to being whether or not it's monetizable in a measurable way where someone can you know benefit off of it somehow then for its own sake I guess like just to make society better to make people more grounded to make to bring more joy to people's lives. Like how come, why is there such a big blind spot in the value there? I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. Like, I I mean, I want to say it probably has something to do with um, the connotations of art and creativity and 
the um, proposed gender roles that are attached to that and how that also speaks to uh, fragility and um, weakness, right? You have a weakness of art versus the strength of sport. Um, a lot of that is innate. A lot of that is trained. Um, people so kinda, have tried. What's yeah, that? Wait, I was kind of, it, it made me think I was talking about it with someone else where, you know, it kind of goes back to how masculine traits are more valued than feminine traits in general. Yeah. Like, well, and, yeah. and aggression, it may not even right. be masculine and feminine, but it might be uh, aggression versus pass, uh, passive, passivity. I don't know if that's the right passivity, word. Passivity. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Being passive. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm an artist. I'm not an English major. Um, but yeah, it might be like, back to like some sort of evolutionary trait where the the stronger more aggressive um of the species withstands or is or is held in higher regard compared to the more passive creative um part of the species but i mean you see the exact opposite in some cultures too like where you see the the two-spirit cultures when they're embracing this kind of like mystical um spiritual type person over everyone else mm -hmm. i think people have tried i mean there are plenty of amazing art schools and um organizations that are trying to mm -hmm. change that right i think it's just it's been ingrained in our society for so long and the rewards are there um yeah. Yeah. It's just I wish that it wasn't the case. I know. I, I just, I ask it because I think it's, it's like a, a something I want us to think about more and to think mm -hmm. about the implications it has on our, our well being yeah. now and for future generations. Like, how long do we really want to drag out this experiment of suppressing that aspect yeah. of ourselves? Well, especially now, too, when we're, right. we're seeing like, what is everyone doing in quarantine? We are embracing the arts. We are watching TV every single day. We're watching movies every day. Like we're listening to music. We're playing video games. Like, where do you think all that comes from? It's not from the Bruins. It's no, not from yeah. the Celtics. It's coming from the artists. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I mean, I know people know that we value it in a, in a, in a way, but I'm just saying yeah. like, do we, we, we value it in a certain context is right. what I'm trying to say. So it's yeah. like, yes, there are the elite people that make it in the art world and we put them on a pedestal and everybody wants to see the next Tim Burton film or not yeah. to knock Tim Burton. I mean, guy's amazing, Sure, but you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, but it's okay for them, but it's such a small portion of the population. And I, I'm talking about more of like, every making it available for everyone in our compulsory education is the specific thing like not just as an elective yeah. but as something that's just as highly valued as a skill mm -hmm. and just for something that we instinctually do that we kind of it's like for some reason it gets snuffed out and i'm, I'm asking this question because i want to i just want us to think about it and and figure out if that's really what we want for ourselves and for the future and all of that. Like, yeah. especially now because my daughter's five in this whole uh, situation, which I know is very hard on everybody, especially teachers, but the art situation 
gets absolutely no, it's like all they do in the virtual thing is math and English. Everything yeah. else is like, yeah, if the parents can figure out how to do that with you, great. But not all parents are going to do that. A lot of parents, a lot of people don't see themselves as creative, creative at all. So how would they instill that in their kids? And I'm not, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just a thought. It's just something to think about, but I kind of want to lead in. So, you know, people thinking about it, think about this, that we want to think about this because it's, it's so important to me. I feel like without art, I'd be dead because yeah. I, I was just, I went through a period where I was so depressed. You know, I was so anxious. I didn't feel valuable. Um, and if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that ability to just go to that world, like Bob Ross says, I love that guy. It's like, it's your happy little place. Like it's your place to just kind of explore and just the feeling that you get from it. It's just like nothing else. And yeah, like if I didn't have that, I just don't know if I'd be here. I really don't. I mean, if I'm going to be super honest, like I feel like my mental health is a million times better um, making art something that I do all the time. And whether I feel like it or not, really, just like when I work out, you know, like I do yoga every day because I know it's going to make me feel better. You know, I know that it like, it's just practical in a way. And I just... I don't know. We got to think about these things, but this, it leads perfectly into the next question, which was for you personally, like what, or what was it, or how do you, how would you describe Robert like pre pre pre-creative all the time versus post-creative all the time? Like what has incorporating and prioritizing art in your life done for you? How has it transformed you? How is it I don't know, not even just transformed me, but I, I feel like it has kind of a spiritual vibe to it too, where, you know, like some people meditate. I feel like art is like when I'm painting, I'm, I'm not thinking, you know, and if meditation is kind of in that vein where you're letting go of your thoughts and you're just sitting there and you're kind of zoning out or you're going in the zone, I feel like art does that for me yeah, too. So I feel like how has that impacted and transformed you? Um, so I'll be honest, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but before I started working with you in paint night or with paint night or yay maker now, but, um, I really wasn't creating any art whatsoever. And I also wasn't doing any art. Like I was still a graphic designer and I was still, um, working in the art field and creating pieces that, yeah, they could be considered art, but for the most part were practical consumer goods. So there were, there really wasn't a ton of um, imagination or creative creativity going into it other than here's your problem, solve it, great, move on to the next one. Um, and I was missing that. And- um, Like, did you know that consciously? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew that because I, I, I this was pre-Instagram. So I, I still wasn't seeing any art around me. Um, and so all that I had around me was like my two colleagues in the art department. And we were just like knocking stuff out. We were creating gift wrap. So it was just like Christmas, spring, Christmas, spring, Christmas. And it's just like nonstop. There's only so many Santas that you can draw. Um, and so I was missing it. I was, I was, 
very specifically re recognizing like I have no art in my in my soul. Like I have no art right now. There's nothing. I'm not talking to artists. I'm not creating art. I'm not viewing art. Like I have none of it. Um, and so I was looking for more money, like just off the side. Like I just need a little part-time job to like, we all need three jobs now. Right. So, um, I found Yay Maker and I'm like, this is really cool. I can go back to painting and kind of like build up my skills again, because it's been so long since I've done it. Um, and yeah, make some money and also teach people what I know, which I love to do. And um, it really wasn't until I would say like month two or three with Yay Maker paint night that I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I was missing. Like, even if I'm recreating someone else's art for the sake of a Yay Maker class or a paint night class, I'm still creating, I'm still embracing the technique and the experience and sharing it with others. And that's what that was all about. That's what was missing for me. Um, so yeah, it's, it, I can, that's that point where I realized that's, that's what the art is doing for me. It's fulfilling that, that emotional, um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not a spiritual person. I don't have any connections to religion or anything like that. But there is a spiritual tie to just being in the moment, hmm. being able to breathe as you're moving, like kind of like yoga, like I do it every now and then. It's kind of like that, where you're just like breathing as you're doing something and it's creating in front of you. Like there, yeah, there's something about that. That's when I, oh, yeah. when I realized it. It's totally spiritual. And no. I mean, whatever like labels you want to put on it, but I mean, I'm not a traditional spirit religious person either, but I do believe there's a divine intelligence in things. I mean, if you look at a cell or you look, ponder the universe, it's like, whoa, there seems yeah. to be a div some sort of intelligence at work that is beyond my comprehension. Yeah. So you could call that God. I like to use the force as a metaphor. Like <laughs> I, I relate to like I'll go for that. the way Star Wars describes God yeah. makes more sense to me than the way it's described in the Bible. I love that. So yeah, that's like what resonates with me more, even though I think that it's all kind of talking about the same thing. Right. So I do feel like when we're in that, we're, we're, we drop into the moment. We don't have any thoughts about like past or future. We're just this pure being and we're just this pure expression without yeah. any, really any, there's no reason. It's just yeah. for the, for the pure joy of it. And that's it. I feel like nothing gets closer to what it means to be alive in that. So I think, yeah, that I, I like your answer. Cause yeah, there, I do feel like this is missing for a lot of people. And when you do, when I do events and I kind of see people get back in touch with that a little bit, like that secret spot within them that they, it's like, they're like, Oh, Hey, wait a minute. Like, it's like they're rediscovering their child self that used yeah. to not be so hard on themselves and that it's, used to know used to know how to have fun and used to know how to play and all of a sudden they're like oh my god it's so wonderful it's such it's, a satisfying feeling to know that you can bring yeah, that to someone for sure um, and they do it I, for me too people yeah. yeah 
for sure. Like they inspire me and it gives you something meaningful to do. Like, I really feel like I can get behind it as like, yes, this feels genuine. This feels like a genuine human connection. Yeah. Yeah. So I like, that's, that's cool. And I think that it really gets to the heart of what art does and, and the power of it, the, it just, it's phenomenal. But if I, I'm going to end it but with this last question, <laughs> it's another <laughs> hypothetical kind of random question, <laughs> but since you're a Disney, a Disney lover, I want you to just sort of imagine, you know, like the, the shooting star going across Disney castle and you get one wish and you know, it's going to come true. What, what is that wish? Hmm. <laughs> I'm kind of like, Oh God, what? But That's don't so you make, funny. yeah, make, I want, I want to know. World peace. Um, Don't overanalyze it though. I don't. Yeah, I know. It's like, what do I want? Do I want it for me or do I want it for everyone else? Um, yeah, you know and it could it be is? either. It could be just anything, you know? It's, you know, I, I would just want a sense of civility, I think. It doesn't have to be world peace because that's the silly like beauty queen answer. But <laughs> I think, I think with civility yeah. comes an understanding of empathy uh, a an ability to understand where other people are coming from and to want to be open and to listen and to hear other people um, and to be open to conversations regardless of who they are um, socioeconomically, racially, um, their gender or their sexual orientation, like any of that just a sense of civility so that people can be kind to one another. You don't have to agree all the time. You can right. have disagreements. You can have opinions, but those opinions don't then have to be your religion. You don't have to live diehard by whatever your opinion is. Be open and civil to conversations and discussions and to know that, man, we're all fucking up, but we're all trying the best that we can. And um just like give people some grace really i think that's i think that would be it um i i'm reading ready player two um the sequel to ready player one. Oh, like the video like the video game the, yeah the i book like that movie on, yeah, yeah. Really i haven't good. read the book though the book's really a lot of fun um and the second one just came out and I'm going to butcher this quote, but essentially um, they had said, uh, life is a video game, right? And the only way that you can really win a video game is to try your best to enjoy the game experience while you're still playing it because we all end up dying in the end. Game Again, over. I butchered the quote, but essentially... <laughs> Essentially, it's just like, it's a video game. So your job, the only way to win it is to try to enjoy it, to be a good person, to do what you can to make the best of it, mm -hmm. knowing that like, yeah, you've got one life. And so do it, enjoy it, be a good person. Don't be an asshole, be civil. That would yeah. be my Disney star. <laughs> your Disney star wish. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great wish. And this a really has a great sentiment to it. And it's funny that you brought up the video game thing. Cause in the description of this podcast, I put that one of my wishes 
for the podcast and what it would do is to help us level up our game. That's nice. exactly what I said. Cause I feel like when we can connect and we can talk and we can really listen to other people's perspectives, like this is what I really wanted to do. I was like, I really want to just hear, cause you know, I feel like we're in this kind of culture where only some people's opinion is valid. Mm-hmm. Like it's only if you're super famous and rich, then your opinion matters. Yeah. And if you're anybody else, which is pretty much everybody, like 90 something percent of the population, your opinion doesn't matter. And right. I think that this has, this has created a lot of disempowerment, a lot of angst and a lot of anger and a lot of inability for people to communicate in a civil way mm-hmm. because they don't feel valued, their voice, yeah. they don't feel heard. And so, yeah. And they're, so they're yeah. angry and then they take everything personal. And then they're that, that whole ability to be civil breaks down. But it's really up to us, I think, to recognize the source of that and that it's something that we've all perpetuated in a way by by really letting people be silenced, by letting mm-hmm. ourselves be silenced, frankly. You know, I, I know for a long time I felt like, who cares what I think? Right. I, I still feel that way, if I'm going to be totally honest. Like, doing this podcast, I'm like who's going to listen to who cares? But part of me was like, you know what? I care. I want to start to learn more about the everyday people that are out there living this life with me. Um, whether it's somebody I see every day or not, but we're all here on this planet at this time together. And I want to connect. And I really want to ask these questions that really matter to me. And I want to see what other people think and what, where they're coming from. Cause I know it's going to be different from mine and I great, good. That's how you grow. Exactly. Like the answers that you had, I'm going to be thinking about that for the next couple of days. And it's just going to, like I said, level up my game because by listening to you and integrating that and really in an open way, we just, we, this is what evolution is all about. When we can get together and have that open dialogue and learn and grow from one another, this is where magic happens. And this yeah. is, I, that's why I think that your wish is just, I love it. It's, it's my favorite. Well, thank you for doing this. I mean, I, I think it's especially important in the artist community too, because we're very siloed people typically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And sometimes people are very protective of their art or their art techniques because they don't want someone to steal their idea or to do it like them, but do it better. And I think conversations like this allow us to learn from each other, to try out new things that we've never done before, to share our techniques, to hopefully inspire someone else to, yeah, let them do better. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, embrace it. I mean, the background, your listeners can't see it, but I have this alcohol ink background behind me. I would have never imagined creating something with alcohol ink until one of my very good friends, an amazing artist, Jess Jess Kirkman, you can find her manifest Jess on Instagram. She does alcohol ink art. She was one of the first people to really embrace it and create a business around it. And she taught me how to do it. She's like, come to a workshop. I'll show you how I'll give you all the supplies. And so you can create your own. And it's like, opened up a whole other spiritual creative experience for me. I love a it. A whole too. other tool, tool set. I and really should... want to learn. We were talking about it before the pandemic. Yeah. Hit and I was like, it was on my list, like the top of my list. And then it was like, bam, I was yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know. 
yeah but, so, it, like, but we have to do that we have to share ideas we have to yeah. enrich and empower other people without the fear of someone taking our star away taking our glitter away share it there's a ton of fucking glitter out there like spread right. it around blow it up in the wind and like let everyone kind of sparkle a little bit and know that you helped with that that should be enough for you yeah and also i always like to come back to the the fact that there is no other robert fisher yeah anyways so even if somebody did there's there's a couple from you well (laughs) you know like you there's there's a chess player and there's a serial killer but i'm neither of them (laughs) but you know like there even if somebody does like i that is kind of a thing that's like really a hot topic now like oh someone stole my idea it's like you know what like you you probably stole someone else's idea too. Totally. Like art, yeah. everything in art is sort of borrowed and and reimagined in a way that only you could make it. And yeah. and to really embrace your own individual individual voice and and respect mm-hmm. and embrace everyone else's too. Like it's not really a competition. No, it's just an expression. So yeah, that's helped me a lot is just instead of, cause that is a big hurdle I think for a lot of artists is where you see other art and it's so good and intimidating. And then you compare yourself to that and then you go, why should I even try? Because somebody else is already doing it and it's so much better than I could ever do it or whatever. You know, there's lots of different stories. Yeah. But once you embrace the fact that there's only you, that you're the only you, there's only one and there will yeah. only be one. You know, and you could never reproduce that if you wanted to, really. Yeah. You never could. You, you're going to give your own spin to it. You're right. going to give it its own life. And if you do end up taking something and using it and doing it, give the person credit. Say, like, I did this thing based on or was inspired by. Like, that's all that person's looking for. Right. I talk to my husband about this all the time because he'll post, he's a hairstylist and he'll right. post pictures of his hair and, and this on Instagram. And he gets so frustrated because he sees people taking his ideas and his tool sets and his concepts all the time, but there's no credit. And that hurts him more than anything. Like all it takes is a quick little tag. Like this came from Jared Fisher. Yeah. So share ideas. Yeah. And I I think some people might be afraid to do that though, for the backlash of somebody saying, oh, you stole my idea. Yeah. Well, and what's the worst that could happen? Like if it's, if it's a, if it's like, if you're stealing artwork from the Walt Disney company, you're going to get sued. But if you're (laughs) working with, with art that you've seen on Instagram that you're just inspired by and that you love, you put a shout out, your mug is so cute. Um, You put a shout out um, to this artist and say like, I'm inspired by you. I love your work. Yeah. The worst that could happen is say, that's great, but take it down. Okay. Yeah. Like no harm, no fouls. You're not making millions of dollars off it on Etsy trying to sell it. You're just making art. Yeah. Don't be no, and I think we're going to enter a new era with intellectual property where, you know, the line, there. it's just with the digital economy and technology and how rapidly everything is moving that it's just like impossible to almost even keep track of. So like you might yeah. see something that inspires you and you really don't know where it came from. Right. You know, they might've got it from somebody else and then from they got it from somebody else and so on and so on. It's like the telephone game and you never really would get to the source of the original person. But what what is that anyway? Because they were inspired by something else. So where's the line? Like that's another whole topic I don't want to delve into, but like yeah. how original is original? <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like it's obvious if you copy something exactly, then yeah, you know, but 
if you're putting your own spin on it, then in a way it, it's still original, even if it was inspired by something else. And I'm not saying ver verbatim copying something, but it's still its own art and its own expression. And I know some people will be like, really pissed me saying that, but I, I just think that it's something to consider and think about. Cause it's like, yeah, everything's kind of in, comes from somewhere and it's like in music, you know, you could have a riff, but how many notes are there right in music and so you know everyone's gonna have their own flavor of it and you know people sue each other and you know things get kind of crazy but hopefully we can kind of get past that like you said like there's enough glitter to go around I mean they're instead of like trying to you know everything being about that instead of having that be the the focus and yeah. just allowing everything to sort of flourish I don't know. I think, we'll see where it goes. I think we're well on our way. We're moving. Yeah. I mean, even I'm, I'm moving into more digital art. I'm playing with my iPad and playing with Procreate and Fresco. And there are artists like uh, Bardot Brush who is like creating workshops, free workshops for people and saying, hey, this is how I do my art. Try it. Yeah. I'm showing you how to do it. I'm giving you the tools. Like do it just like me. And knowing that that's going to inspire them to want to do their own artwork. Right. That's what it's about. Right. That's see, that's when I feel like we're moving into another level of consciousness yeah, of where totally. we're starting to realize that instead of there the mentality that there's not enough to go around and I need mine and I need to protect it, which is I feel like a huge baby boomer um perspective. Capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> like I, I understand certain aspects of capitalism, but I also feel like there's a law of attraction thing going on when yes. we're coming from a place of abundance where we we know there's enough to go around like and and that we are confident in the fact that we have our own value mm -hmm. so a lot of that other mentality comes from this insecurity like i need to get mine and hoard it yeah you know? and whereas like hey we're only going to be here for a short time and then we're going to be dead game over right let's just let's just play let's just yeah. let everything you know flow and and see where that takes us like see what collective kind of shift can happen because obviously this 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 hoarding kind of this is my piece of the pie this is your piece of the pie like thing isn't really working that great because of just especially just witnessing the civil unrest and the mental illness and the you know, just everything going on, like there's something not natural or working about that. Yeah, there's an imbalance, definitely. Yeah, there's a huge imbalance. So it's just something to consider and and think about and, and um, you know, think maybe there is, like, can we explore different ways of being? And that's another yeah. thing why I think art is so important because it, it allows us to think creatively better. Yeah. Because the more you create, like if I sit down to a blank canvas, I'm working that creative muscle. I'm, I'm exercising that muscle. And if I never use it, then I look at a blank canvas and nothing comes. Right. Because I'm, I don't, you don't, you're just not using it. So, yeah. yeah. I, so I want to just end it. Cause I know we've been talking for a while and I appreciate your time, but is, did you uh, want to, is there like any one last thing you want to say before we hit stop on the record button? <laughs> yes. Aliens are scary. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think we talked about it all. I think it's yeah. just, it's, um, we have a responsibility as artists and, um, 
I still consider myself of a younger generation, although I know that's very much not true as I just had a birthday and that makes me feel old. <laughs> uh, but um, I, 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 rather than a younger generation, I feel like I'm part of a generation of change that can help to um, kind of ignite and inspire and help to keep these kind of conversations going so that what we were just talking about continues that momentum because I think it's going in that direction. I'm already seeing it. Yeah. Um, we're seeing people speak out against injustices and imbalances and people now know that their money and their finances can be used to make change in the world for good. Yeah. Um, so I, I, we're on our way. Yeah. So just, just remember like as artists, it's not all fun and games. Like we have a responsibility too. And I think that that's, that's just part of the job, right? Don't forget why you're really doing it. You're doing yeah. it for yourself, but what can you really do with it? Yeah. Well, that's an awesome thought to, to end it on. And I just want to say thank you again. You're amazing. And I know you're going to continue to inspire me and I'm just super grateful to know you. Oh my God. Thank you. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. I love this. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Miss Mystic. If you would like to find out more information, you can go to my website at wendyanderson.art and stay creative friends. Have a beautiful day.